What is going on, everybody? We are back again on the Sports Card Show podcast. Got one particularly interesting topic that we'll talk about today, uh, but I'll also throw in uh, at the end, we'll have a little Amazon FBA. It is Prime Day uh, over the next uh, 24 hours. It is Amazon Prime Day and my sales. I don't have a ton of inventory on Amazon. I'd say I'd have maybe uh, roughly, maybe about $1,000 worth of inventory on Amazon, and I've probably sold through a good 25-30% of it uh, just in the last, just since Prime Day started. So uh, if this is any uh, any preview or inclination of how the holiday goes, uh, you know, the November to, uh, you know, mid-December uh, holiday season goes, I'm really excited. Um, again, I'm trying to do $100,000 in sales on Amazon at a 10 to 20% margin. That'll put 10 to $20,000 profit, you know, not, not kind of like gross profit. Uh, you know, you got taxes and you got other things. Um, you know, really that's b- going to be before tax. I'm looking to pocket 10 to 20 grand. And if my boy Trump could pass some tax reform, I might not have to pay as much of it out uh, to the government, but we'll see. So we'll give it a little Amazon FBA update. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about Las Vegas. Just got back from Las Vegas. Saw more basketball players and UFC fighters in the span of three days than I've ever seen in my life, than I've probably seen on TV over the last year. I mean, I can't count the number of basketball players I saw. And we're talking a primarily second string. They're going to be either in the G League or the or in China or somewhere playing or they'll be buried on the bench somewhere. But I did see some A-list all-stars, uh, James Harden, DeMarcus Cousins, among others. Saw Alvin Gentry out partying really late. I don't know if that was if he was with his wife or not, but he was with a lady that looked uh, considerably younger than what he's than he than his age. But he was out partying uh, quite late one night, so I was uh, kind of shocked to see that. Saw Tito Ortiz next door to me in the Vidara was a, a UFC fighter. I didn't know her name. But my friends uh, that I was there with knew who she was. She had her dog with her, but yes, yeah, she was uh, essentially next door at the Vidara. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that, but obviously the burning issue of the week and probably of the remaining of the year probably uh, was the Dak Prescott auto Panini scandal or fraud that was perpetrated. Every, you know, it's still unclear. There's a lot of questions and we'll kind of go through some of those questions on today's show and try to either address them or answer them uh, the best we can. So let's, I'm going to assume most of you guys listening to this have not, are not living under a large boulder or have not been in Vegas the last three or four days and have not been privy to what's going on. But essentially, Dak Prescott return or somebody, nobody really seems to know, and we'll talk about that, but somehow some Panini Prism cards, and this is a set released in October, So we're talking, what is that, like almost nine months ago. So a set released nine months ago in redemption form. Dak Prescott autograph cards were in the product, again, in the form of a redemption. And they were in the process nine months later of being returned to customers. And then Panini had to start recalling 
those shipments because it was deemed by Beckett authentication that these autographs were more than likely done with something, a machine referred to as an auto pen, which, um, you know, a lot of people tend to use uh, if you're having to sign a lot of documents. Things like politicians come to mind. Maybe people that send out a lot of mass mail um, could, could use an auto pen. And athletes, I'm sure, have over the course of their careers, many, many, many of them, I'm sure have utilized this to either answer fan mail uh, primarily, but maybe other correspondence as well. So first thing is first, I wanted to address, I had a lot of people uh, get at me on Twitter. I did have to block several people. I haven't never, I almost, I don't know if I've ever blocked people on Twitter, but I decided this week, you know what, especially I was in Vegas, I was having a great time. And a lot of the arguments that I get, were getting really didn't make a lot of sense. It just seemed like people really just wanted to kiss Panini's ass. And if you want to kiss Panini's ass, that's fine. But you don't need to waste my time doing it. And a lot of people were, were, were talking a lot, but really weren't making a lot of sense. A lot of people, one of the first arguments that I heard was Dak Prescott violated his contract with Panini. And number one, first thing is first, nobody, including myself, has ever seen Dak Prescott's contract with Panini. We don't know what that contract was. Maybe he didn't even have a contract. We assume he does. But maybe Panini violated his contract. Maybe he wasn't signing his cards. I know I've heard, I heard things this week. Dak Prescott didn't want to sign uh, sticker autographs. He didn't want to sign a bunch of stickers anymore. He only wanted to sign on-card autographs. And he was unhappy. So maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Panini wasn't living up to their end of the contract. I don't know. But what I do know is I have read a contract, a player's contract with Panini before, because uh, several years ago, Leaf bought numerous, I think a couple hundred, Kevin Durant sticker autographs. I think they bought them of, of, off Upper Deck or somebody was selling uh, just raw sticker autographs of Kevin Durant. And Leaf wanted, I don't actually remember what happened in this case, but Panini sued Leaf in an attempt to not get Leaf to issue those stickers because Panini had just signed Kevin Durant to an exclusive deal. And inside this lawsuit was actually a copy of Kevin Durant's autograph contract with Panini. And now I highly doubt, again, I had people on Twitter saying, oh, Jack Prescott violated his contract. First of all, those people don't know what Panini and Dak Prescott had in a contract. And number two, I would bet a large amount of money none of these idiots had even read the Kevin Durant contract that had went around and circulated uh, with inside a lawsuit several years ago. And in fact, if you read this contract, and I can almost bet this uh, with certainty, Dak Prescott's contract with Panini is going to have a, a ton of the same language that Kevin Durant's contract has. So if you read Kevin Durant's contract, it should give you, 
and I'm, and you know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. And I definitely don't want to be one. People think lawyers know the law. They don't really know the law. They rely on their paralegals and research to figure out the law. They are not law experts. <laughs> Most of them are dumber than a, a paper bag on the ground, to be quite frankly. I've never really been impressed with a lot of lawyers that I've met. And I can highly, uh, highly imagine Panini's lawyers draw up one contract, and then Panini kind of tailors that, maybe makes a few tweaks here and there. But my guess is largely the terms with Kevin Durant's contract is likely fairly similar to what Dak Prescott will find in his contract. And so why am I bringing up Kevin Durant's contract is there's some language in there. I guarantee 90%, 99% of the, the butt, Panini buttluckers out there don't even realize. So I've got a portion of Kevin Durant's contract. A lot of it is just some legal mumbo jumbo, but there is some interesting lines in here. One of the key lines in the whole contract was... Essentially what it says is Panini, and I'm reading word for word here, I'm substituting company for Panini because they refer to company in the contract, and that is referring to Panini. And when they say player, that is referring to Kevin Durant. So I'll substitute Panini in for company so it makes more sense. But I'm really reading directly from Kevin Durant's autograph contract, which I assume is very similar or almost identical in language to Dak Prescott's contract with Panini. Here's the key line that you need to understand. Panini agrees to sign and return an affidavit certifying and verifying the authenticity of players, and that could be Kevin Durant or Dak Prescott, autographs on the cards. I'm going to read that one more time for you guys. Panini agrees to sign and return an affidavit certifying and verifying the authenticity of the player's autographs on the cards, period. It is not Dak Prescott's job to certify and verify the authenticity of his autographs. It is not Kevin Durant's job when the cards get delivered to Panini. If they are signed by me, Kevin Durant comes to me and says, hey, Colin, I don't want to sign these cards. Here they are. Here's a pen sign them and send them back to Panini. Kevin Durant is not breaking his contract because it is Panini's job to agree and to sign and return an affidavit, which can be used in court, certifying and verifying the authenticity of the player's autographs. And so we have to assume that Panini, given that they started sending these prism, Dak Prescott prism cards to customers, 
that they had certified and verified the authenticity of Dak Prescott's autograph on those cards. So whether an auto pen signed those cards, whether it was Dak Prescott sitting there setting up the auto pen, whether it was agent, whether it was his big brother, whether it was his mom, whether it was his friends, whether it was Tony Romo, Panini, by releasing the cards, by sending them to the customer, have verified and auth and deemed that those autographs are authentic. And on the back of the card, it says that Panini guarantees the autograph on the front. It doesn't say Dak Prescott guarantees the authenticity. And that is all, I'm sure, you know, given the lawyers are out there on both sides, that is in there for a reason. Players do not want to be the one on the hook for certifying and verifying the authenticity. That's Panini's job. Panini's job is to release cards and the cards with autographs and memorabilia on them. It is their job to verify and certify and guarantee the authenticity of those autographs. That is not Dak Prescott's job. That is not the NFLPA's job. It really shouldn't be Beckett's job. You'd think Panini, Panini actually should know Dak Prescott's signature as well as anybody outside of Dak Prescott. Panini should be able to tell what is a real, what is a fake Dak Prescott signature. It shouldn't have to come to Panini. Panini deems it's authentic and verifies it and then starts sending it to customers, and then the customers have to send that to Beckett, who then deems it unauthentic. It doesn't say in the contract that Beckett has to authenticate and sign an affidavit and return that to the player. That is Panini's job. And by releasing the cards to the public, and on the back of the card, it says the autograph is guaranteed by Panini America. I'm so, uh, I, again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm sorry to all, maybe you guys are all Washington Redskins fans or Phil, uh, New York Giants fans. I don't know who the main rivals for the Cowboys are these days. I know it's the Washington and New York. I can understand you guys want to throw Dak Prescott under the bus. And you probably don't like him. But in this situation, and with any player, this goes for any player, it is not the player's job to certify and verify the authenticity. According to Kevin Durant's contract, and again, I'm assuming that almost every other player's contract looks exactly like this, that is Penny's job. And that makes a whole lot of sense since Panini's in the job of producing and selling autographs and memorabilia cards. That's their job. Dak Prescott is a football player. His job is to throw touchdowns, not sign autographs. 
not verify that they're authentic? Could we argue, hey, Dak Prescott should really care about this stuff. Dak Prescott should honor things like this. He shouldn't, should make sure things like this doesn't happen. Sure, we could argue that, guys. You could just substitute Dak Prescott's name for any athlete, but that's not their job. 99% of these athletes don't give a damn. And inside the contract, it's Panini's job to sign and return an affidavit certifying and verifying the authenticity of the player's autograph. That is Panini's job. Again, not Dak Prescott's, not the NFLPA, and it really shouldn't be Beckett that is finding this stuff out. If anybody should know Dak Prescott's signature really well, it is Panini. And they got these cards back from somebody. Again, Panini and Dak Prescott don't seem to know how these cards got back to Panini. And that, that's a whole discussion point in itself. How does Panini not know? <laughs> I, I can totally understand how Dak Prescott might not know. These cards get mailed to a house he's, he's not at during the year. These cards get mailed to his agent. His agent calls Dak every other day and is like, dude, you got to sign these cards. You got to sign these cards. And Dak's on summer vacation. Dak's working out. Dak doesn't give a damn about $10,000 or $20,000. The agent is getting probably 20, 30% of this. Again, an agent gets like 2 to 3% of a player's contract, but then they typically get double digit. I've heard as much as 20 to 30% of any endorsement contracts, and that includes these autograph deals. So that's why these agents push these autographs. And so it's really the agent that has the biggest incentive for Dak Prescott to fulfill his autograph deals because it's the agent that really needs the three or four or five, ten thousand dollars that's going to come his way. Dak Prescott doesn't need ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars. He's on a rookie contract. I'm not saying he doesn't need ten grand. I'm sure if he walked up to him and wanted to give it to him, he'd take it. But I guarantee you his agent, whoever it is, needs his cut way more than Dak Prescott does, at least today. So by releasing these cards, Panini, first of all, on the back of the card, it says Panini guarantees autograph. The company could have easily gotten these cards back from Dak, looked at them, and said, mm, these aren't real, just like Beckett did. Why can't Panini hire somebody, somebody that works at Beckett, figured this out, whether it was Steve Grad or somebody else. I'm sure it was somebody else. Why can't Panini do that? And we have to assume Panini signed and returned an affidavit to Dak Prescott's representative verifying, hey, 
thanks for sending your Prism autographs in. They're, they're, we verify them authentic. And then started sending them to customers. So if we want to start arguing who was more negligent, who was in breach of their contract more, look, Panini got some cards back that weren't signed by the hand of Dak Prescott. I think that's, that's well known now. That's a fact. These cards were not signed by Dak Prescott. But Panini released them, guaranteed the signature on the front, and likely, we don't know this for a fact, but because it's in Kevin Durant's contract, I have to assume it's in most other players' contract, Panini signed an affidavit certifying and verifying the authenticity of those autographs. So all you guys that said, oh, Panini sh should sue Dak Prescott, uh, guys, they can't. Because chances are, Panini has signed an affidavit saying those Prism autographs were authentic. So good luck taking that to court. I'm pretty sure I could represent uh, the, the other side and say, no, can't sue Dak. I could represent Dak in that. I don't have to have a law. Nobody with a law degree would need to represent Dak because all you'd have to do is pull up the affidavit that Panini likely returned to him. Again, an affidavit is specifically issued for uses in this situation. Again, it's not Dak Prescott that agrees to sign an affidavit. It is Panini. That might seem kind of backwards, and maybe it is, but that's how the industry works. It is not Dak Prescott who has to verify, certify that his autographs were authentic. That is Panini's job. They are in that business. Dak Prescott is in the business of throwing the football on a football field. So all you Redskin fans, all you New York Giants fans, Dak Prescott haters, Panini lovers, Panini is not going to sue Dak Prescott because Panini, by releasing the cards and having the guarantee on the back, have guaranteed those autographs. Now, if Panini had caught this before they had sent the cards out, before they likely signed an affidavit, then yes. Maybe Dak Prescott would be in a little bit of trouble. But by releasing the cards to the public that had a written guarantee on the back or a statement on the back guaranteeing the signature, and again, likely issuing an affidavit to Dak Prescott representatives saying, hey, these autographs are good, authentic. Dak Prescott did nothing wrong, whether he auto-penned or not. Period. Now, the other question that came to my mind was, I started running through my head. Okay, let's assume Dak Prescott didn't want to sign these cards, okay? For whatever reason, maybe it's he personally didn't want to sign them. Maybe it's he's so busy, he didn't have time to sign them. Maybe, again, it's a situation where his agent is sitting there saying, man, Panini wants to pay me 20 grand to send these cards back. If I just send them back, I can give my client, Dak Prescott, some money, which he'll probably like and appreciate. But the agent could collect his 
20 to 30% cut as well. What I've heard also is oftentimes these athletes are paid up front. These the athlete was already paid. So that doesn't that you know that argument may not make a lot of sense. Maybe not. I don't know. But what I kept running through my head was Dak somebody associated with Dak Prescott. Why why did Dak Prescott have to use an auto pen? If he was not going to sign the cards, why didn't he have his big brother sign them? Why wouldn't he have his uncle sign them? Why wouldn't he have a trained secretary or trained handwriting artist sign them for him? Why would he go through the process of getting an auto pen, setting it up, knowing that the odds of getting caught are far, 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 far greater by using an auto pen, the odds of getting caught, that those will be, in fact, athletes have gotten caught in, in the recent past by using an auto pen, whereas there's been lots of allegations, likely true, that Shaquille O'Neal has somebody else signed for him, that many of these athletes have somebody else signed for him. Why didn't Dak Prescott just do that? Why didn't Dak Prescott, again, have a handwriting expert sign him for him? Why didn't he have his sister sign for him? Why didn't he have his agent do it? Certainly that would be as cost-effective as buying and setting up an auto pen and putting each card in there, lining it up, and push, you know, pushing the button or whatever. It's not like these cards can just be magically fed through there. Somebody had to sit there and do this. And maybe they're that dumb, but if you don't want to get caught, could have easily had somebody else sign these. So for me, the reason why I'm asking that question is, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense that Dak Prescott or Dak Prescott's representatives set up an auto pen when they could have easily just signed the cards some other way. Why go through the process of having an auto pen? Especially when your odds of getting caught and breaching a contract or not getting paid or not getting deals in the future, et cetera, et cetera, are affected by that. Why can't Panini witness these signings? Panini America, for those of you guys who don't know, is located in, of all places, Dallas, Texas. And, oh, lo and behold, Dak Prescott plays for the Dallas Cowboys. As my brother uh, tweeted out today, AT&T Stadium is a 23-minute drive from Panini headquarters. You have to assume Dak Prescott has an apartment. He may not live permanently in Dallas, but for probably seven to eight months out of the year, Dak Prescott has a residence in Dallas. I do, again, I don't expect, back in the day, I, I recall seeing on the back of cards that they were, they were often uh, signed in, in, the, 
in the presence of a representative from the company. I know that practice has, has slowly started to dwindle away. And more and more of these autographs are literally just put in a, a UPS box and shipped to an address and sent back. And so there's any of these cards could be signed by anybody at that point. And again, I understand the logistics. I understand there's cost to flying some guy across the country, and especially we're talking about maybe a second-round draft pick or a, a player that's a no-name. I don't think it's completely unreasonable to send them cards, trust them to sign them, and have them send them back. But Dak Prescott is a superstar in the NFL, and not only that, he plays football and lives within a few miles, like 10 miles of Benini's headquarters. To me, it is unexcusable. A company that is guaranteeing, certifying, authenticating autographs can't drive down the street and witness Dak Prescott signing cards. It's unexcusable. It really is. I know that he was like a third or fourth round pick. And again, if you listen to this show, unlike most of these jabronis out there, I knew exactly who Dak Prescott was when he got drafted. If you go back and listen to that NFL draft preview or like review, if you go listen to the show, I could bring it up right now and play the clip. But I went on for over a minute about how Dak Prescott was a great pick by the Dallas Cowboys. He's a leader. He showed great leadership while in college. Didn't have a ton of talent wrapped around him. I was very impressed with him. I followed his college career because he was one of the top daily fantasy quarterbacks you could play when you could play daily fantasy college football. So I knew exactly who Dak Prescott was before he came to the NFL. Again, unlike most of you jabronis out there. I knew when he came into the league, nobody thought he was going to do anything except for yours truly. And obviously the people that draft him in Dallas were really intelligent. It's a great pick. But he became a superstar pretty quick. Tony Romo got hurt pretty quick. And I know these players are busy. I know Panini has a budget. But Dak Prescott plays down the street. Why Panini can't go down there and witness him signing cards is lazy. It's stupid. It's negligent, it's being cheap, and it's unfortunate for you, the collector, because this is the kind of stuff that will happen. The other thing that I can't understand, okay, I can't understand why Panini can't get in a car, scheduled to meet Dak Prescott, 
at his apartment or at a practice facility and get him to sign 20 cards, 100 cards, 200 cards, whatever it takes. Okay, there, there's, I, I can, you know, see some, some reasons. Again, I understand for, for certain players, it's, it's not logistically feasible anymore to witness every signing. I get it. But what I really don't understand at all is Panini issued a statement late on a Friday night saying, we're not sure where some of the cards are. Some of the cards are unaccounted for. How, how in the hell do you not know where the cards are? If you're Panini, how do you not know where these cards are? How do some of the cards come back auto-penned and you don't know where the rest are? Does it make sense that Dak Prescott would auto-pen just a couple of the cards that he had and send them back? Or would he pull out the whole box and auto-pen them all? Seems to me, if you're going to go through the trouble of setting up an auto-pen, start feeding in cards, you'd feed in every last card that you had from Panini and put them in a box and send them back. You wouldn't sign 100 of them and, and leave 300 there sitting in the box. That doesn't make any sense. Again, if you had someone sitting there witnessing all this, you would know the answers to it. If you had somebody have the cards in their person, fly over there, put the box down on the table, and then when the player's done signing, put the cards back in their person, I guess at that point, you might be able to ship them back via UPS, but if you're flying back anyways, you might as well put it in your carry-on baggage and go back home. How does Panini not know where some of these cards are? That, again, shows negligence on Panini's part. It is not Dak Prescott's job to know where all these cards are. That is Panini's job. Panini's job is to make and sell cards. And part of the process of making and selling cards is having a player sign them. Panini does not witness the player signing them. And Panini also doesn't know where the cards are if the player doesn't sign them. That is not the player's job. That is not Dak Prescott's job. That is not anybody's job but Panini's. Panini's job is to make and sell cards. You think they would know where they are at all times or have a general idea where they are. Panini put out a statement saying, we're not sure where some of these prism cards are. And remember, by sending the cards to the customer with a guarantee on the back, that, in my opinion, releases Dak Prescott from any and all liability because Panini has certified and guaranteed the cards by releasing them and sending them to the public. 
Even if Dak Prescott were to come out tomorrow and say, oh, yeah, I had my agent auto pen him. There's absolutely nothing that Panini can do to recourse because Panini released the cards themselves. Again, if Panini had gotten them back in their office, opened them up and say, hey, this looks a little weird. All these autographs look identical. Maybe this must be an auto pen. They called Dak Prescott's agent or his lawyer. The conversation would be different. The conversation we'd be having on the show would be a lot different. But Panini released these cards to the public with a guarantee on the back. One, one company that really looks good in this has to be Beckett. They got these cards. I think there were some accusation uh, Beckett was doing this for business. Well, by turning away the cards, they're, they're turning away some paying customers there, aren't they? I don't know if they chart me. I, I don't know. I have not gotten autographs. Again, if I'm going to get an autograph from somebody, I'm going to be standing there and handing it to them. <laughs> it's about the only way you know the autograph is authentic these days. But Beckett, Beckett's basically saying, mm, yeah, don't send us your Jack Prescott's because they're auto-penned. So they're really turning away business. But they definitely look good in this. They look like a stand-up company. They, they look like a company that's doing their due diligence on these, uh, these autographs, whereas Panini doesn't. If Panini's no good at authenticating autographs and guaranteeing themselves, why don't they have a partnership with Beckett? Why don't all, all autographs just get sent to Beckett? They can take a look. They can verify if they're authentic. Then they can get sent to the customer. Panini can pay them whatever, 10 cents a card or something. Panini obviously can't do that themselves because these autographs were returned. Panini deemed them to be authentic. Again, looking at Kevin Durant's contract, likely signed and returned an affidavit, which again can be is really primarily signed for the use in court. For these situations, almost to a T. It essentially releases all liability of the player. So again, all you Panini lovers, all you Washington Redskins fans, all you New York Giants fans that want to see Dak Prescott being taken down, it's never going to happen. It's not his job to authenticate his own signature, as, as silly as that sounds. Again, Dak Prescott could have came to me at the Vidara and was like, hey, dude, I don't want to sign these cards. You sign them. Okay, dude, I'll sign them. I sign them. I send them back to Panini. Panini releases them to the customer with a guarantee on the back, sends uh, Dak Prescott an affidavit saying they were certified authentic, the dummy in that situation is Panini. <laughs> they should have never released the cards to the public. And we have to presume never signed an affidavit saying that they were real. We know one of those things are true. 100% fact, Panini released these cards to the public with a guarantee on the back. 
And we probably know with relative certainty that they also signed an affidavit saying that the autographs were authentic as well. And they were not. As far as I'm concerned, that's Panini's negligence, poor management, poor quality control, poor oversight, poor attention to detail, considering Beckett, a company that has likely seen far less of Dak Prescott's autograph than Panini has. Again, Panini should know Dak Prescott's signature about as well as Dak Prescott himself. Beckett has a few samples that they've seen, likely through college and in the pros, but Panini has gotten presumably thousands of autographs back from Dak Prescott. They should know damn well what it looks like. It's just like a chef, okay? I can understand someone who's just learning how to cook steak might not know the difference or how to tell if the steak's medium well or medium or mid-rare. I get that, hey, you have to cook, start cooking 100, 200, 300, 1,000 steaks probably not that many, but I think after maybe 10, 15, 20 steaks of cooking, you should be able to get within a reasonable amount of accuracy, okay, this steak is well done. This steak is mid-well. This steak is medium. This is mid-rare. And I have to assume Panini, who's gotten thousands of autographs from Dak Prescott's, should be able to look at one and say, oh yeah, that was definitely signed by Dak Prescott. And should be able to look at one and say, hmm, especially side by side or all getting all these cards at once, they should have been able to look at them and said, hmm, something isn't right here. That shouldn't have went to the customer. And ba basically the customer has to send it to somebody else to guarantee it when Panini has already guaranteed it on the back of the card. And also, we presume, signed in at least with Kevin, we know for a fact, with Kevin Durant autographs, that Panini signs an affidavit stating they're authentic and we have to assume Panini does that with almost all or all of their athletes that sign cards. Not on here trying to make excuses for Dak Prescott or any other athlete. I don't, again, I did follow Dak Prescott's career. Yes, he did make me some money when I was playing daily college fantasy football. I wrote a lot of content that featured him as one of the best quarterbacks to pick. I made even more money off that content. But I don't give a damn about him. This could have been Andy Dalton or A.J. Green or Joe Mixon. I don't give a damn about any of these guys. If they were walking down the street, I'd ask to shake their hand and not get their autograph. I don't give a damn about these guys' autographs. And when I was in Vegas this weekend, I saw a famous person. I asked to shake their hand. I didn't pull out a pen and get their autograph. There were a bunch of fat idiots sitting in the Vidara lobby every day trying to do that. But Beckett definitely looks good. The sports card industry looks terrible. Looks shady. Looks sleazy. Looks unorganized. 
Looks like you can't trust them, can't trust the athletes, can't trust the company, can't trust anything's real. That's not good. Looks like, looks like you could trust Beckett. Not saying everything that they do and they touch is certified gold, but in this situation, they definitely look good. They definitely look like a company that's at least trying their best to, to do their job. Beckett's job is to be a third-party authenticator. So when Panini's too lazy to authenticate their own cards, Beckett is there, I guess. But the fact that Panini's too lazy to realize or to hire somebody, again, Beckett was like emailing me a couple months ago looking for card graders, and we have to assume maybe autograph authenticators as well. These people out here, there exist. There's so many Panini buttleckers that would love to go work for them. But this doesn't surprise me. If you go to LinkedIn and look at the people that work at Panini and you go look at their previous jobs, it's like the brand manager of football cards. Oh, what did he do before that? Did he work for the NFL? Did he work for the NFL PA? Did he work for a college? Did he work for an autogra another autograph company? Did he have his own autograph company? No, he was an insurance claim adjuster. No, he was a general contractor. No, he worked at IT at Wells Fargo. So it's not like Panini is hiring the best and the brightest. In fact, if you look at the company's financials, they've gotten worse. Debt has risen. Net income down. I know the World Cup, I believe, is next year. That might help a little bit. But the word on the street is Panini did a reorg reorganization after, and I had a podcast on this, after the last World Cup, after the revenues came in, Panini was trying to sell the entire company. This is Panini Global, Panini Corporate or whatever. The global company. This includes the comic books and the stickers and everything going on in Europe and other countries. Panini was trying to sell the entire company, including Panini America which is just one small part of the company, actually a very, um, I would, uh, not minor, but it's, it's a small part of the company compared to the stickers and the comic books. Panini was trying to sell that whole company, and they had some people that were interested, two or three investment banks or private equity groups, probably a better way to describe them. But ultimately, everybody balked at the deal. Nobody wanted to buy it. Likely because, again, Panini wants to sell at, at one price based on what they think the company's worth, based on how much debt is on the book, based on how much money the insiders want to take out of the deal as well. They couldn't come to a deal. That's why on a previous show I said, Panini is worth zero to an investor. They shop the company for months and months 
after a World Cup and couldn't sell it. Sure, they could have agreed to a price, but it's like going to a store, going to a Louis Vuitton store, and they have a $1,500 purse on the rack. And maybe that $1,500 purse has sat there a long time. If I go in there and offer them $100 for the purse, maybe that's what the purse is worth. It's worth $100. If you put it on eBay, they'd get $100. But Louis Vuitton doesn't want to sell the purse for $100. They want to sell it for $1,500. Maybe the leather alone and the jewels on it is worth $1,000 alone. But if somebody's only willing to pay $100, that's what it's worth. And that's what Panini found out about their business. It isn't worth what they think it is. People are only willing, investors, people with that kind of money, are only willing to buy it if it's a great, great, great deal. They don't want to pay some big multiple for a baseball card company that can't even authenticate players' autographs that play 20 minutes away. Dak Prescott plays 20 minutes away from Panini headquarters, and Panini can't even authenticate his own autograph. They can't send some jabroni over there to witness it. They don't even know where the cards are. Dak Prescott doesn't even know. At least that's what he says. So going forward, as I've said on this show numerous, numerous times over the course of many, many years, in fact, just this last week, the Washington Post, who routinely source anonymous sources, routinely put up fake news, put up an article about this, and actually sourced Myself and Sports Card Radio. So, the Washington Post for finally citing someone other than an anonymous source. But the Washington Post put up a video that I made, I believe, almost three years ago about the 2014 Panini Flawless Jersey scandal where they had claimed that they, their intention was to, put, to issue cards where some of the cards were game-worn and some of them were player-worn. Again, I don't want to re-go over that whole story. Most of you guys know, if you're listening to this podcast, likely know what happened. But it didn't make any sense then. It still doesn't make any sense now. In fact, I don't think anybody's ever made a set where there's a jersey card, number serial numbered to 10, and eight of them say player-worn, and two of them say game-worn. That doesn't make any sense. No company has ever done that, before or after. But that's what Panini claimed they, were, they meant to do with the flawless cards. This is a company that just recently issued a card with a Mitchell and S tag on it, and it was labeled one of one. Mitchell and S has never made a jersey worn on an NFL field, yet Panini labeled the jersey game-worn. And, I, you know, you don't have to be a genius 
but you can almost for sure, Panini didn't just get a Mitchell and S jersey and cut the tag up, throw the rest of the jersey away, and just use the tag part. No, 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 no. The rest of that jersey that's clearly not authentic, was never worn in a game, is in other cards and is out there in the collector community. I think many of us collectors out there uh, are comfortable. It's almost, uh, and maybe autographs are going to get this way. Us as collectors, when we see game-worn, player-worn, player-issued, player-used, it almost doesn't matter these days. Now we just kind of look at it as a piece of material. Whether the guy wore it or not, we're not really sure. Whether he wore it, just put it on and took it off, whether he wore it in, in a real game or if it was one of the jerseys kind of left in the locker room or in like Eli Manning's situation, he called the equipment manager and was like, find me some helmets that look game-used. And it's because of company negligent, like Panini. And now they're getting negligent on the autographs. So it wouldn't surprise me in a year or two, we just see auto pens on everything. And it's, hey, this signature comes from the player. <laughs> this, this signature is attributed to Dak Prescott. <laughs> they might use some language like that. The signature on the front of this card is attributed to the player on the front. Panini guarantees that it was sent to the player and signed by somebody. That might be the language we start seeing. The signature on the front of this card was signed by somebody to look like Dak Prescott's autograph. This is why the modern card market is a shrinking market. I know everybody's out there, oh, there's, there's so many collectors out there, don't worry, it'll be fine. Sure, there are a lot of collectors out there, but we're talking about modern, recently issued cards. And in some cases, in, in the case of Dak Prescott, we're talking about fairly expensive, modern NFL football cards. We're starting to get down. Okay, the baseball card market it, as a whole, it, you know, probably a, a couple hundred million dollar market. Okay, I don't think it's a billion dollars anymore. I think back in the 80s and 90s, it was attributed to be a billion dollar market. It has shrunk considerably then. It's probably a couple hundred million bucks. Then we start shrinking it down to modern football cards. And we shrink it down even further to rather expensive and valuable and desirable modern football cards. Now we're talking about an even smaller portion of the population. There really isn't a lot of people buying this stuff. As I'll go over in my Amazon FBA update a little bit later, I click refresh on my Amazon account and there's always a new sale. And I'll give you guys a hint. I'm not selling any baseball cards. I'm not selling any football cards. People rarely buy that stuff. I've looked at the wholesale accounts. I've looked at maybe trying to sell some of that. 
You don't make any money on it. Very few people buy it. On Amazon, you have sale ranks. They, they literally tell you how fast something sells on Amazon. Trust me, modern football cards are as low ranked as anything on the site. I know you guys are listening to a podcast now. A lot of you guys post on forum. A lot of you guys have Twitter streams that are all loaded up in cards. But believe me, guys, the world hardly revolves around modern football cards. When you go to the national and walk by the booths and look at what people are buying, look at what people are interested in, even it's something like the national, which is like the gathering of all card collectors and memorabilia collectors, a large, large percentage of the people attending and even the people with booths at the show are not interested and not selling and not buying modern, valuable football cards. We're talking about a small portion of the industry. And the more and more that industry is tainted with things like this, the Flawless, the Mitchell and S, Eli Manning, et cetera, et cetera, the less and less people will want to collect modern football cards. They'd rather buy a Joe Namath football card or a Joe Montana football card. Or instead of buying an expensive Dak Prescott autograph from a company that can't seem to authenticate it, why don't I just buy off the Dallas Cowboy charity? So I'm sure the Dallas Cowboys have charity auctions, just like every team does. Virtually every team I've looked into has some charity auction where they obtain items from the player, and you have to assume that stuff has to be as close to authentic as you're going to get. I'm sure it's not always the case, but you have to assume that. Instead of paying $3,000 for a piece of cardboard, why don't I just buy one of Dak Prescott's jerseys off DallasCowboyAuctions.com? In fact, every year, the NFL has auctions, usually for some kind of charity, prostate cancer, breast cancer, whatever. And almost all players participate. I don't want to say almost all players, but I, I've seen a wide breadth of player. If you had the money, I mean, I follow the Bengals enough where I'm on their website. I see uh, advertisements for that. Go here, bid on A.J. Green's jersey to benefit, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals fund or whatever. Lo and behold, there's a jersey or an autograph of A.J. Green. Probably rather have that. And we'll find more and more that'll be the case. So all you guys out there, oh, football cards will be fine. No, nah, it's not going to go away. It's not going to go to zero. But it's not going to grow. It's not going to get bigger. People are going to trust it less. So for you, that, for you, everybody out there, group breakers, sellers, rip and flippers that are relying on the new car market, 
you're stuck in a no-growth industry. A lot of you dummies still only sell on eBay. And that is a no-growth website. eBay is no longer growing. You are like Macy's or JCPenney's or Sears or Best Buy. You are like the retail industry. In fact, I tried to sign up for a wholesaler this week, told them exactly what I was doing, told them what I wanted to buy, about how much I was going to spend. But because I didn't have a retail location, they didn't want to deal with me. I say, hey, that's fine. No big deal. There's plenty of other suppliers, wholesalers out there that'll deal with me. But the retail industry is shriveling up. Because there's less demand to go to the mall, less demand to go to a store. That is putting pressure on all those companies. Are some still making a profit? Some still making money? Yeah. But does the future look bright? Absolutely not. And if you're a group breaker or you rely on this for your income, you are not gonna make more money, period. You will make less and less and less and less money because the industry will not be growing. More people will be exiting, more buyers will be exiting the same number of sellers or more will exist and you will make less and less money because there'll be less demand for what you have to offer because few people demand modern cards. Again, the sports card industry as a whole, if we include the people that buy vintage cards, buy cards that are already out, just have cards over the years, Yes, that's a large number of people. But when we're talking about people who are actively buying new, modern cards, it is a shrinking market, and things like this Dak Prescott stuff is only going to make that market smaller. Period. So... I wish Panini would witness some of these signings. I wish when Panini got these cards back, they looked at them and said, oh, these don't look right. We need to call Dak and, and be like, hey, we can't send that affidavit over and can't guarantee, put a guarantee on the back of these and issue them to customers. No, Panini did not do that. It is because they are run by a bunch of idiots Again, go to, go to LinkedIn and go work, look at the people working for Panini and then go look where they worked before that. Yes, there are a handful of people working at the company that work for this company or that company that worked for Donruss or worked for Beckett or worked for Tops before. Yeah, there are a handful of people. But I've looked at some people on there and it's like brand manager of a collegiate football. Oh, what did he do? Oh, for eight years before that, he was, uh, oh, he was an insurance claim adjuster. Are you kidding me? No wonder stuff like this is happening. 
I'm sure these guys saw the job and they were like, oh, cool, this will be fun. I can convince them, hey, I know a little bit about cards. There are no standards at Panini. And I don't really know how many times you guys got to get burned. If I go to a restaurant that's supposed to serve me fresh beef or, you know, I was at Mastro's Club the other day in Vegas. This is my third or fourth time eating there in Vegas. If I ever went there and paid, I think my steak cost $59. If I ever went there and ordered a $59 steak and it came out looking like it was previously frozen, you think I'd ever eat there again? If I go and try a new restaurant in town and I go inside and I don't get treated well or I see cockroaches on the ground or the food sucks, I don't eat there anymore. And we're talking about a $59 steak, a $10 hamburger. I don't eat there anymore. I don't, again, you guys must be living at home you guys that are going to continue to buy these modern football cards where Panini puts out auto, you know, guarantees and authenticates cards that were clearly auto-penned. A company like Panini, again, is like a master chef, is like an executive chef. It would be like going to Chef Ramsey's restaurant. And I know most of the time you go to Chef Ramsey's restaurant, he's not there cooking. Okay, he probably... In fact, he does almost zero cooking in any of his restaurants outside of maybe the opening night. And even then, he's like the head chef. He's kind of barking out orders. He's not actually cooking the steak. But it would be like going to Chef Ramsey's restaurant, having Chef Ramsey actually cook the meal, ordering the steak medium, and it coming out well done. That's basically what happened with Panini. Panini is, in their words, the world leader in football cards because they have the exclusive license. They make the most football cards. They've made the most Dak Prescott cards. They've issued the most Dak Prescott autograph cards. Panini America should be the chef Ramsey of Dak Prescott autograph cards. And they literally just served you a well-done steak. I don't know about you, but I like watching chef Ramsey on TV I like Hell's Kitchen. I like Master Chef. I like cooking myself. I pick up a lot of tips. I've watched some of his YouTubes on video. But if I ever went to a restaurant and Chef Ramsey was cooking and I ordered my steak medium and it came out well done, I would say, what the fuck? I am not paying for this for number one. And I'd be like, what the heck? Was I just completely bamboozled all these years watching your shows, thinking you had high standards, thinking you were a great chef, and all of a sudden I'm served a well-done steak when I ordered it medium. That's literally what happened this week when Panini put out autograph cards that were clearly not autographed by Doug Prescott. Panini has seen thousands of Doug Prescott autograph cards. Thousands. And they put their guarantee on them 
and sent them to customers. That's exactly the same as going to Chef Ramsay's restaurant, ordering the steak medium and having it come out well done. Now, I can totally understand if in the back they cook the steak, they overcook it, it goes to the window, and then someone at the window says, hey, 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 customer ordered this medium, it's well done, recook it. The steak comes out to me. Once the steak comes out to me, well done, there's no excuse for that. Again, you panini butt liquors, maybe you've never gone to a fine dining restaurant. Maybe all you eat is off the 99 cent value menu because you're spending all your mom's money and your allowance on cards. You live in your mom's basement. You live at home with mom and dad. And so you don't really appreciate your money. You just get an allowance or you're on unemployment. You have Obamacare for a dollar a month. You have an Obama phone for nothing. So you don't appreciate this stuff. But I don't know about you. If I was waiting for a Dak Prescott autograph and it arrived to me and it was clearly fake, I wouldn't be going back to that company again. Just like a restaurant, just like if I went to Macy's and bought a brand new pair of sneakers, and then when I come home, I find out, oh wait, these have been worn. Somebody took, a, you know, ran a 5K uh, marathon in these and then returned them. I wouldn't be like, oh shucks, that's Nike's fault. Or I go buy some Jordans at Foot Locker, I bring them home, and oh, turns out they're fake. And oh, I'm gonna blame Michael Jordan. <laughs> That's basically what you guys are doing that are blaming Dak Prescott. You go to the store, you buy some Jordans, and they come to you fake, and you blame Michael Jordan. It's not Michael Jordan's fault. It's not Dak Prescott's fault. Panini served you guys a well-done steak when you ordered it medium. That is the company's fault. They're the ones guaranteeing the signature. Again, go look on the back of your cards. On none of the cards does it say the autograph is guaranteed by the player. That is because the, on the back of the card it says the card is guaranteed by Panini America. And again, if you go and look, again, none of you guys have done that. I had like 10 people on Twitter say, oh, the Dak violated his contract. First of all, none of you guys saw Dak Prescott's contract with Panini. Second of all, none of you guys probably even read the, the contracts that are out there that Panini has out there via court cases. None of you guys had actually read that. But if you did, you would know that that's Panini's job. Panini signs the affidavit certifying the autographs. And by sending the cards to the customer with a guarantee on the back, it is Panini that is guaranteeing that. Just like if I was in Chef Ramsey's restaurant and he was the executive chef that night, even if he had Joe Blow, Hell's Kitchen contestant, cooking the steak, it is Chef Ramsey's reputation on the line. It is his obligation to me as the diner. He is the last line of defense to make sure that steak comes out to me perfectly cooked 
whether he cooked it or not. And that is the exact position Panini is in. They are the last line of defense before these cards are sent to the customer with a guarantee on them. And the fact you guys continue to stick up for the company and even worse, buy this crap. It is garbage. It is like going to a steakhouse, paying $75 for a steak, ordering it medium. It comes out well done and it was previously in the freezer. The restaurants that do that, and trust me, there are restaurants that do that or try to do that, they are not in business for more than a month or two. I know Panini has an exclusive license for football cards, but they don't have an exclusive license to your wallet. I saw people blaming, oh, this is the exclusive license fault. No, it isn't. If there were two companies with cards, two companies, three companies, four companies, five companies, this stuff would probably be more rampant because the card, the players would be getting all these requests. Oh, you got to sign a thousand for Upper Deck, thousand for Panini, thousand for uh, Tops. And you don't think if Dak Prescott sends auto pen signatures to Panini, he's not going to send them to Upper Deck or Tops? Or Leaf or whoever else? Of course not. If they auto pen for one company, they're going to auto pen for them all. It doesn't matter if there's one company doing it or 10. It is Panini's job, whether they have an exclusive license or not. It is their guarantee, it is their signed affidavit. Just because they have an exclusive license doesn't, again, doesn't give them an exclusive to your wallet. If you like high-end stuff, go after stuff that is close, more closely tied to the player. Go to NFL Auction. Go to the Dallas Cowboy website. That's what I would do. These third-party companies that are getting this by not witnessing it, Steiner Sports, Panini, every, this goes for every company. They're buying the game use jerseys off Mel Gray or MyGray.com or whatever, not even getting it from the team. They're buying them at uh, you know, heritage auctions or whatever and cutting them up. You're like t 10 steps from, from the authentication process. You know, do you buy a $2.99 pack of football cards? Do you buy a, a $1.99 pack here or there? Got no problem with that. Buy a box or two during the year just for fun. I'll crack it open. Got no problem with that. You guys spending thousands of dollars a month. Again, most of you are probably living at home with your mom. Mom's paying the bills. Mom's paying the cleaning lady. 
When you're in the shower, mom comes in there with a damp cloth and wipes your ass and gets your crack clean. You guys probably have a dollar a month gold plan from thanks to Obama. Probably have an Obama phone. People I know with money are not buying this stuff. They're fed up with it. Again, it's like going to Mastro's Club, ordering the steak medium, and it comes out well done. Or you order a New York strip steak, and they send you a ribeye. Or you order salmon, and it comes out flounder. You order green beans, and they bring you out asparagus. At some point, guys, you got to stop eating at that restaurant. It's like going to a shoe store, buying Jordans, bringing them home, and they've been worn before. Or they came from, they're, they're not real. This isn't the flea market. Panini America is not the flea market. It is their job to guarantee and authenticate autographs. That is not Dak Prescott's job. That is not any other player's job. Again, I don't give a damn about any of these players. At best, if I was walking down the street and I saw them, I'd ask to shake their hand. But more than often, I'd just walk by. Again, I was just in Vegas. And I'd be walking by. Oh, there's DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, there's James Harden. My dick didn't get hard. I didn't try to fumble around and try to pull out a piece of paper or a dollar bill or something to get him to sign it. I don't give a damn. Again, if I want a James Harden autograph or a DeMarcus Cousins autograph, I'd go out there and find a real piece, something I could put on my wall. This is how I know most of you must be living at home in your basement. You'd rather buy a $3,000 piece of cardboard that means nothing to the vast majority of the country, then get a $3,000 Dak Prescott jersey off NFL auction and frame it up and put it on your wall. Probably because, again, you're living in 100 square, 150 square feet. Your mom has, you know, kicked you out of your room that you grew up as a kid. It's got you down in the basement or in the garage. You guys must have never eaten at a, you guys must eat off the McDonald's value menu. I know if I, you know, I haven't eaten McDonald's in at least 10 years, probably longer than that. I do own some McDonald's stock and I always use this analogy to all the, there's a, even dumber idiots out there in the investing world that are always like, oh yeah, you, you got to believe in the product. You got to use it. You got to love it. That's not true. Uh, there's a lot of companies out there where I really like their product, but it's a terribly run company. And then there's other situations like McDonald's where I hate the product. You couldn't get, put a, a bag of McDonald's down in front of me and I'd eat it. You, you couldn't have a bag of McDonald's and $1,000 next to it and saying, if you eat this bag of McDonald's, you could take the 1000 I'd say, no, thanks. But if it was a bag, eat a bag of McDonald's for $1,000 worth of McDonald's stock, I might do that. Probably not. I'd rather, I'd just take, I have $1,000 sitting in my IRA account right now. 
unused. Unlike most of you, instead of spending my money on cards, I do save $100 a week now. Goes into my IRA. And it sits there and I buy companies like McDonald's. Again, I wouldn't eat at McDonald's, but it's an incredible stock. Walmart's another example. I have been to a Walmart, actually two or three, in the la- to fulfill some of my Amazon stuff. You can get some really good light bulb deals there. In fact, I'm sold out of everything that I've bought at Walmart and I've set to Amazon, I'm sold out of. Mostly, primarily light bulbs. A couple other things, like little hooks and little, little things like that. Things you use around the house. It's what I've picked up at Amazon, found that you can, or picked up at Walmart, then you can send it to Amazon. Literally sold out of everything that I bought at Walmart and then I've sent to Amazon, I'm completely sold out of. But Walmart's another example. I'm not going to shop there unless I'm flipping the items. It's a terrible store filled with people that I'd rather not be around. That's snobby. I don't care. Not interested in saving money. I don't buy, I don't, while I'm in Walmart, I don't then go buy something else so I can save $5. I'm always willing to pay more. And it's kind of a good transition into Amazon anyways because people are willing to pay more on Amazon. And again, and most of you guys are out there on eBay, don't realize this, don't care because you're a moron. But people are willing to pay more for stuff on Amazon because of convenience. You can sit here, click two buttons, and it can show up in a day or two. Whether I pay a dollar more, two dollars more, not going to ruin my day. But those of you guys, again, our last show, we talked, there's these guys that are worried about a nickel here and there on check on my cards. You're the type of guy that probably goes, to Am- probably goes to Walmart. You'd rather drive all the way to Walmart, park, wade through a bunch of illegals and a bunch of smelly-ass people that are getting in your way and are dumber than a bag of garbage. You'd rather go to those stores and have no customer service, wait in line to save 10, 15 cents than just click two buttons on Amazon and have it show up at your porch two days later. You guys are probably taking the bus down there or walking or your mom drives you or you take your mom's car out so you don't have to pay for the gas. You're certainly not driving a Mercedes down there or driving anything of any quality down there. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, Amazon update. Today alone, I've sold 14 items. Two hundred and three dollars. That might not sound like a lot, but like I said, I don't have more than a thousand dollars worth of inventory in my Amazon account. In fact, it's probably far less than a thousand. I only have like eight or nine hundred dollars worth of inventory max, and I sold through two hundred dollars of it today alone on Amazon. Over the last thirty days, I'm up to eight hundred and five dollars, and that's actually only over about twenty days. 
I'm coming up on my one. I don't exactly know. Actually, I can figure that out right now for you guys. Uh, my very first day selling on Amazon was June 16th. So I'm about a week away from my 30-day anniversary. So that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. In less than a month, I have $805 worth of sales. I just started as 56 units. So you're looking at a, what is that? Maybe about a $15 average, I'd like, average unit price. I'd like to get that a little higher. You're really trying to sell items. Ideally, you'd like to sell items in that you know, $20 range, but it doesn't always work out. I am not, I've got, gotten a lot of emails about this. I will try to get back to everybody that has contacted me about Amazon. I'm not selling baseball cards and basketball cards. If you, first of all, that category is gated on Amazon. If you want to sell single cards on Amazon, check out my cards is your best option. Do not think you're going to set up an Amazon account and sell boxes of cards. First of all, the product, the category is gated, meaning you cannot sell in it, period. Second of all, unless you got the product for a price that nobody is selling it at, <laughs> you cannot buy something and flip it on Amazon. Even if the product, even, okay, even if the sports card category was ungated, I would not be sitting here trying to sell football cards, basketball cards, or even baseball cards. Guys, we're talking about a minute category on the world's biggest e-commerce site. I've literally sold 10, I've sold, hold on, I'll give you the exact number. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten. I've sold 10 tape dispensers today alone. I'll repeat myself, I've sold 10 tape dispensers today alone. Tape dispensers, light bulbs, glasses. I sold some, uh, a two-piece Game of Thrones glass set. Sold a, a TV antenna today. I sold something called a, a couch coat. You like put it over your couch to protect it from your dog. I've sold a dog cooling mat, headphones, cell phone accessories. How many people you know have a cell phone? Compare that to the people collecting modern football cards. It's like laughable. Compare the number of people out there that need light bulbs. Compare that to somebody that needs a modern 2017 football card. It is back to school season. Think about the number of teachers out there that need a tape dispenser in their classroom or number of businesses that are starting that need a tape dispenser or pens. Do not 
think you're going to get into Amazon and sell modern football cards. Again, you might as well just sit in your mom's basement, have her wipe your ass, and get your government check from Obama, and sit there and jerk off to porn all day, and flip over to eBay every once in a while. If you want to sell on Amazon, sell stuff people actually use. And luckily on Amazon, there's a, they literally tell you what sells. And it's about the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. Outside of, uh, I have a couple websites that do extremely well. In fact, I'll, I'll go there. I'll give you an update. Hit refresh. This will just be AdSense. So I've made $214 today. So far, yesterday, $209. This month so far, $1.97,000. Last month, $5,900. The month before that, $5,900. The month before that, about $6,000. For the last three years, it's been about that much, sometimes a little higher, but about $200 a day, 24, seven, seven days a week, 365 days a year, occasionally on holidays, occasionally on those days where people aren't on the internet as much, maybe you go a little lower, but then you always have those days that kind of blow up and make up for that. But outside of Christmas, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, Easter, you're making money. Well, that's just Google AdSense. So, there it is, folks. Again, Panini should be viewing some of these signatures, especially guys that play right down the street. It's Panini's job to verify and certify the autographs. In fact, it says that on the back of the cards. And in fact, it says that in Kevin Durant's contract, which we have to assume is very damn near similar or identical to the contracts other players sign. It is Panini that verifies and certifies the autographs. Not the player. Not the agent. It's Panini's job. Just like when you go to a restaurant, it's the executive chef's job to make sure the food comes out correct. It's not the waiter's job. It's not the person, it's not the hostess's job. It's not even really the person making the food. Again, it's the executive chef's job. Panini is the executive chef of the cards they make. If they send them to you and they're fake, that is their fault. Not Dak Prescott's. Not anybody else's fault, but their own.
And the more and more stuff this goes on, again, you guys trying to sell, you know, I can tell why you guys have to butt lick Panini. It's because the industry is shrinking. It is shrinking quickly. You're getting down to a small and smaller percentage of people that are willing to spend their money on this stuff consistently. And if you want to be a part of a growing industry, a growing e-commerce website, a growing experience, again, I can talk all about Amazon. 90% It's going to blow over 90% of you guys' heads. You guys aren't going to know what a growing e-commerce site looks like. Again, I have less than $1,000 worth of inventory on Amazon, and I sold through $203 today alone. Over the last three, uh, over the last really 25 days, sold $805 worth of stuff. I've got at least another thousand in transit that'll be on the site, unfortunately, after Prime Day. But we're coming again. My goal is really to just kind of get, get warm. We're only in July. I've got another two or three months to really gear up for the holiday season. Again, my goal is to sell $100,000 worth of stuff. It is an extraordinarily high goal, not only from a sales perspective, but think about it. I have to buy almost $100,000 worth of stuff. If I'm going to have $100,000 worth of sales and my profit margin is only going to be 10 to 20%, I'm going to have to buy damn near close to $80,000, $90,000 worth of stuff. And like I said on the last show, I'm going to pay for it all with credit cards. I'm not going to rack up huge debt balances on those cards, but I will carry a balance on some of them. Luckily, I have very good credit and can apply and be approved for any number of cards. And that's how I would recommend getting into this Amazon business. Again, most of you guys living at home, fondling your cards, getting your ass wiped, probably pay with your mom's credit card. But real men, guys that run their own business, can open up as many credit cards as they want. So I'm going to get some no-interest cards. Obviously, carry a balance on some of those. But when the bank or the, essentially the credit card company is willing to loan you a few thousand dollars at 0% over, most of these are 18 months, no interest. I have some that are 24 months, no interest. Just got one today. 24 months, no interest. That's free money. Bill buy $2,500 worth of inventory. Flip it, pay the balance down, buy some more inventory, pay the balance down. And that's how I would recommend getting, in fact, that's how everybody does it. You know, don't think you, you know. The other thing is, the, one of the other reasons why I don't think a lot of people get into Amazon, I'm literally going to get my first check from them. I'll get a check from them tomorrow for about $160. That doesn't sound like a lot, but future checks will likely be a lot higher than that. But it takes a while 
takes 30 to 60 to 90 days before the money starts rolling in. And again, I'm going to be sitting on a few thousand dollars, you know, you know, I'll be sitting on inventory worth a thousand or two dollars. I'm hoping to scale it up as we get into the Christmas time. So I'm going to be sitting on inventory that is worth tens of thousands of dollars. If you're not willing to take that risk, or if you need the money right away, this is why most of you, this is why most of the hobby is stuck on eBay. Because most of you guys need the money right away. You need the money to buy your Dak Prescott cards. Or you need the money to buy your next set. All these group breakers run on credit themselves. But because the margins are so slim and it's a very seasonal business, most don't have any money. They don't have a lot of free cash. Luckily, I'm not in this situation. Amazon is going to be really like a fourth, this is like the fourth, a fourth income stream for me. If I end up buying $100,000 of product and I lose 10 grand, it's not going to ruin my day. It's not going to ruin my Christmas. There's still going to be gifts under the tree. Will I sit back and think, damn, I could have bought a Rolex presidential with that 10 grand? Yeah, I'll probably think that. But if I make 10 to 15 grand, I'm not going to pay my mortgage with it. Not going to pay my car with it. It'll be that extra money that I can take and either invest more in the stock market or probably buy myself a nice watch, maybe some nice shoes, maybe something for the wife, maybe something for the baby. It's not meant to pay my bills. My bills are paid. My bills are under control. It's because I don't waste my money on modern football cards that aren't real, but that are sold as real, that are delivered with a guarantee on them and clearly not real. Stop buying Panini cards. You can do it. You can stop. Find something else to buy. Find something else to spend your money on. Go to the clearance aisle at Walmart. Go to the clearance aisle at Home Depot. Go to the clearance aisle at whatever store you want to find. Ross, Marshalls, TJ Maxx. Get the free apps that are available that you can scan and see how much it sells on Amazon. And if you can buy it for $5, and on Amazon, the lowest price is between, call it $12 and $15 or higher. You can buy that item, send it in, sell it, and make money. And if the item has a very low ranking, meaning it sells very well within its category, you're really looking at the top 10% of a category, and if you think of all the items for sale on Amazon, 
The top 10% of a category is a lot of items. You're talking about almost a million items. If you're talking about the home improvement category on Amazon, the top 10%, you can literally buy the top, anything in the top 10% of a sales rank. If it's in the top 10% of a sales rank and you can buy it at 50 to 75% lower than the price on Amazon, you can buy it and flip it and sell it. And trust me, it sells way faster than modern football cards. I had idiots on Twitter that I had to start blocking that were laughing at me about buying 76 tape dispensers for $2 a piece. I literally can't keep them in stock fast enough. Obviously, once my stock is out and it's over, they'll be gone. And in fact, Scotch, the manufacturer of the tape dispenser, discontinued that model. That's why I got them so cheap. But they still sell for ten. I have them priced ten ninety nine on Amazon. And every day when I have, you know, when I click refresh, they sell. I actually have quite a few. I probably should have just boxed them all up and sent them all in at once. But I was. I really, you know, since I'm still new to Amazon, I really wasn't sure how fast they'd sell. So there's been some days where I've had zero inventory. And in fact, I'm running low on my inventory now. But luckily, I have about 30 on the way that are literally a day or two from being delivered at an Amazon fulfillment center. But I can almost guarantee by maybe that I really thought it was going to be the end of August after, you know, back really the end of back to school season. I really think it's going to be by the end of this month, I will have sold all those tape dispensers for likely, again, not a huge profit margin probably between 25 and 30%. And on a $140, $150 order, I'll make $30. That might not sound like a lot. But it it took me longer to talk about the technique of selling those than actually selling them. I find the item, ordered every single one the company had, Click delivered, and that's it. Obviously, I've thrown them in a box. And when you can get that many units at a time, and they're light and they're small, it actually really helps with my shipments. I can really load up a shipment, and it, bring, it brings down my cost, uh, you know, because, you know, you load up a box to Amazon, and it's going to cost you between 5 and $10, unless it's really big and really heavy, it's going to cost you 5 to $10 to ship that across the country, especially being out here in the West Coast. I'm often sending stuff to Florida or Pennsylvania or Tennessee or Texas, and it's a little more expensive. If you live in the middle of the country, your, your cost might balance out a little bit, might be more effective. But I, you know, being out here in California, I am very blessed. I can drive to 10 Home Depots in an hour. I can drive and at the same time hit the Walmarts and hit the Targets, you know, for you guys that live, you know, again, with your mob in a little Hobunk town where Walmart's the only place to shop, you might only be able to hit one store, two stores. But I did buy the tape dispensers from an office supply store online. Not one of the major ones, not one of the ones that everybody knows, but I did find a company that were blowing them out. 
So those deals are out there as well. You just got to know what you're looking for. Put in a little time, put in a little effort. You got to put down the cards, especially the modern ones, and put in a little effort. Little Vegas, again, uh, went to Vegas. Had a great time. Another, uh, another time and in, in, in another week in Vegas. Probably won't go out there till next year. But I was wondering, when I got there, I asked, uh, every time I've been to Vegas and I booked a room at the Vidara, which is right behind the Aria. It's, a, it's a, a, not a casino property, but it's in a great location because you can literally stay there and walk right across the street to the Aria, which is, in my opinion, the, the most fun casino you can be at. Nicest in terms of layout. And it's center strip. You can go to the other properties if you want. You walk down to Shake Shack, walk, walk, walk across the street to Marshalls and Ross and buy headphones like I did to sell on Amazon. There's Mastro's Club there. There's Javier's, a great Mexican restaurant. But I went to, I booked the room at the Vidara and I check in. There, I have my own separate line. When you're gold card or above, you have your own line. And I said, hey, you got any upgrades? The girl went and checked. She was like, oh, sorry, we're sold out. I was like, really? Never had that happen before. I still had a nice suite, mid to upper floor pool view, not too bad. Not as high as I've been before. But then as I started walking around, I realized why they couldn't upgrade me. Every single basketball player was staying at the Vidara. Every single UFC fighter was staying there. Likely because, again, it's a great location. It's cigarette smoke-free. It's center strip. It's upscale. And it's nice. Had a great time. Lost a ton of money gambling. Several hundred dollars, in fact, which is a lot of money for me. Just to kind of blow. Not one to really just blow. blow. I know my brother blew through even more. My brother blew through 300 just in one sitting one time. Uh, for me, it was more over the course of three or four days. I, I really limit myself to $100 a day just to gamble. And I'd recommend you probably do that too if you went to Vegas. And everybody has their number. And for me, it's $100. I'm not looking to do more than $100 a day. So I'll go to the ATM, pull out 100, and I'll play. And if I lose it, it's gone. And that's it for the night. Some nights it lasted a little longer. Other nights it went really quick. And I was on the sidelines watching my boys play. But that's how it goes. Had a good time. Definitely look forward to going back. Probably will be sometime next year. I'll probably try to hit a conference. If I stay up in this Amazon stuff, probably try to hit a conference where it's either, you know, like wholesalers or like, you know, like buyer, you know, there's like these meetups and stuff for this kind of stuff. So probably definitely look for something like that. I've been to internet marketing conferences in the past there. I... You know, I've kind of found my lane with internet marketing and kind of know uh, what to do. So 
not really looking to go to another conference like that, like Affiliate Summit or whatever. But um, definitely, we'll see about this Amazon thing. Might attend one of those next year. We'll see what happens. Um, but that's about it for today's show. I'm going to wrap it up. Again, on this show, for years, this is the reason why I can almost guarantee the podcast you are listening to now is listened to by more people in this hobby than any other show. And in fact, I can almost guarantee you, you can combine the listenership of of many, many other shows combined, and they would not equal the listenership of Sports Card Show, brought to you by SportsCardRadio.com. That is because I have told you for years, stop buying modern cards. Stop buying Panini cards. Stop buying into group breaks. You have a problem if you continue to do this. You literally have a problem. It is literally like going to the same restaurant over and over. When you place your order, they send out the wrong stuff. The the steak comes overcooked. The steak comes undercooked. Instead of sending you a New York strip, it's ribeye. The guys buying this stuff, again, you guys have to live at home with your mom and dad. You guys must be on a dollar a month gold Obama plan. You guys have to have an Obama phone. You must have your mom drive you around in her, you know, Honda Odyssey or whatever. That must be the case because I can see no other reason why you continue to buy this stuff other than it's a habit slash addiction at this point. Find something else to spend your money on. On the next show, we'll talk about buying and selling sneakers. I've talked about on this show, buying and selling other stuff, light bulbs, Blankets for your couch, headphones, cell phone accessories, tape dispensers. Etc, etc. Yoga mats. I mean, I've sold it. I've you know, I haven't sold a lot in the last couple of days. That's why I have such a uh, I have such high hopes and high goals for the holiday season. Because I'm like, damn, in the middle of the summertime, I'm selling this stuff out, basically. You know, it's selling faster than I can get it into Amazon. And yes, I'm buying it on on credit, you know, in anticipation to kind of hold some of that credit over for a few months. But, God, the sales are coming so fast. I'll be able to pay a lot of that stuff down pretty quick. Not, you know, I'm obviously trying to do that, but at the same time, I'm trying to get all my credit card rewards. I'll make more in credit card rewards this year than some of you jabronis living at home will make all year. Sitting there jerking off on your Obama plan. So get to work, 
Stop buying this Panini stuff. Stop buying modern cards in general. There's no money in it. I've been to the industry summit. The times I was at the industry summit, I was shocked. Everybody there was staying at the Orleans. I was like, why are you guys staying here? Shocked. I was the only one. Uber was not around then. But we were the only ones taking a taxi cab to and from the event to stay at a, a, a reputable or at least a, a little bit higher grade suite. I know my brother started selling on Amazon and eBay a little bit because he went to the Tops party, looked around, and said, look at all these jabronis. Look at all these idiots. Most of them got their pass by opening up some cards that they had to sell. My brother bought the pass outright off eBay. Straight cash, homie. Bottom line is, the money's out there. If you're wasting it on this modern card stuff, don't be surprised if your bank has nothing in it at the end of the month. Period. I know I get on here and I talk about my Vegas lifestyle. I talk about my lifestyle at home. I talk about how nice my car is, how nice my house is now after dropping a good, a cool 32000 on it in renovations. But I don't blow my money. I still save $100 a month. I'm still cheap in many, many ways. I'm currently painting my own cabinets, okay? Well, you know, I'm doing well, but am I going to pay someone 10 grand to refinish my cabinets? Hell no. I'll be in my backyard for the next 15, 20 days. I have one, two, three, four, five of them done, and it took two days. So there's a reason why when you go and have your kitchen redone, it starts at 10 grand. <laughs> because just to do the damn cabinets, you're looking at 30, 40 hours at least. I'll probably have over 100 hours just on the cabinets. Sanding. Priming, waiting for the dry. It's a lot of drying time. Okay, it's not all you're sitting there sweating and grinding. It's drying time. Sometimes you make some mistakes or you don't sand it off properly or you've got to sand off more than you have to. So there's a little work involved. A pro could probably cut, cut the hours in half. But what I certainly hell don't do I don't buy modern football cards that are being sold as authentic, and they're clearly not, that are basically sold and guaranteed as authentic, but they're not. I don't go to restaurants, order a Midwell ribeye, and get served a frozen, well-done New York strip. You better believe if someone does that to me, they're not getting my money, they're not getting my business again. I don't know why in the hell 
any of you can make any excuse to order anything with Panini's name on it. Get your shit together. It's a joke. There's a reason why the modern card market has not expanded. That has actually, it's actually contracted. The stock market is at an all-time high. And for many of you, you can't figure it out because we've got a wacko, a wild man, a crazy man as our president. Many of you look at Donald Trump and think, God, this guy's going to ruin the world. Yet the stock market is at an all-time high. But yet the modern card market has declined and continue to decline. One of those reasons is because the dumbass distributors have not embraced, have never embraced selling online. They want you to have some stupid brick and mortar. They want you to sell products like Panini's garbage. They want you to sell this stuff that's not real. That's fake. Stop doing it. That about wraps it up today. I'm done. Going to go to bed. Hopefully you guys are all doing well. Take my advice. Again, you can take anybody's advice in this hobby. Go ahead. Take anybody's advice. Consistently over a long period of time, if you've taken my advice on numerous different subjects, we're not just talking about sports cards. Go listen to the podcast that I put out in 2008, 2009, and 2010 when the stock market was at an all-time low. And go listen to what I was telling you to do then. Go listen. Go listen to the first 50 shows of the Sports Card Show podcast. And listen to what I was telling you to buy. Go back and listen to what I was buying. And maybe you'll figure out why I can go to Vegas and blow some money. Why I can start an Amazon business and it be my fourth income. And I can have $800 worth of sales in a month. And I'm looking to roll every last penny of that back into the business. It's not because I've been dumb with my money. It's because I've been very intelligent with it. And if you make smart decisions, good things will happen to you. If you make dumb decisions, like buying modern football cards on a very regular basis, or buying modern cards in general, don't be surprised if you're as broke today as you were 10 years ago. It's your fault. And until you change your ways, nothing's going to change. And what's not going to change is we're going to still be here on the Sports Card Show, living the good life, kicking back, relaxing, having fun, 
and definitely letting you guys know about it. So hopefully you guys are all doing well. You can always get at me at sportscardshow at gmail.com. I'm a little backed up on the emails. We'll have to get through those. You can always get at me on Twitter, I will say. I'm not going to block you if you disagree with me. I'm not going to block you if we have a spirited discussion. But if consistently you make stupid comments, your comments make no sense, all you're doing is arguing with me to maybe get your own followers, get attention yourself, then yes, I'm going to block you. Because I give out far too much good information on Twitter, not all related to uh, football cards. I've put out stock picks, a lot of winners there. I tweet screenshots of my Amazon account and will continue to do so. I tweet many, many, many uh, nuggets of information. Basically showing you uh, the whole retail arbitrage business. And if you're on there just to argue, then yes, I'm going to start blocking people. Again, if you disagree with me, whether it's on politics or on cards, that doesn't bother me. I'm more than willing to talk to you about it. But if you consistently say dumb things, things that really don't make any sense, you can't back up your own argument. If, and what I always tell people, if you can't argue both sides, you have not thought about it enough. If you cannot argue for Donald Trump and against Donald Trump, which I've done on this show, in fact, just five minutes ago, I was calling him an idiot and a crazy man. And I do can, can definitely see why people see that in him. And definitely at times, I read what he writes. You know, the other day he was saying some lady had a bloody face or something. Yes, I mildly cringe when I read things like that. And uh, the other part of me laughs and says, hey, that's pretty awesome, actually, that he's being uh, that transparent about things. Whether or not he really needs to go there. Yeah, I totally agree with both sides. I could see both sides of the argument. If you can't argue both sides, first of all, you haven't thought about it enough, and you're probably not intelligent enough. And again, I can argue both sides of this, Dak Prescott, and anything. I can totally see why people can blame Dak Prescott. Totally can see why people let Panini off the hook. And I can totally see it the other way around. But if you're constantly on one side and you can't rationally argue the opposite point, you haven't thought about it enough, you're not intelligent, you're probably living at home and mom, or you're probably stuck at a job you hate, you don't like, And you're just jealous at that point. So, got to block you. Got to say bye-bye. I know you guys are listening. Because, again, this show is the most well-represented, most listened to, because it's consistently been on the air for eight years now and will continue to be going forward. So, until then, until another episode comes, I'm really looking forward to the next episode where it'll be kind of off-topic. Looking forward to that and all the other shows to come. But until then, we are out of here.